0: Clay, people were, you know, getting a little bit upset with me about my Vulcan obsession, about how the Vulcans of Enterprise don't line up with my expectations. My own subjective expectations are not being met by this show, and I'm holding it against it. But you, you've, been, you've spent three and a half long seasons every episode saying the Klingons don't look right. This is not how the Klingons are correct. supposed to look. They're supposed to have smooth heads. That's how I- it's how I open and close every episode. <laughs> Just deme- like on, on personal communications outside of the show, I get text messages from you at 3 a.m. with like a, a billiard ball. Yeah. You say, this is how the Klingons are supposed to look. What is this bumpiness? I can't stand it. I say, Clay, <laughs> which is a weight. Two years from now, you're going to get an answer. How, how am I supposed to know where the lights
1: are positioned on the show if I can't see the reflection <laughs> in their foreheads is what I'm asking. Is that why Picard is the greatest captain? I- Just because you can see the lights? Yes. Light. <laughs> <laughs> you know how difficult it is to light that head. <laughs> Listen, that's a crack team they have working on that that's a show. W- a lot of the powder. best team in television, <laughs>
0: the best team in syndicated TV. <laughs> Brandon, if I see another light reflecting off of Patrick's forehead, <laughs> it's going to be the end of you and me. Anyway, <clears throat> you've been you've been demanding being a cannon a cannon hound like you are. Mm, Where's where yes. the explanation? Well, here it is. I hope you're happy. So. Am
1: I to believe then, based on what they're postulating in this episode, that all of the TOS Klingons are like super Klingons?
0: Yes. And Scotty fighting them makes him a superhuman character to be able to fight them.
1: Well, if if that's where we end up, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. If if all of this is just... it's This is just service of Doohan. Ret- <laughs> this is just retconning Scotty into some sort of superhuman uh athlete who definitely looks it through the entire run of his uh, character.
0: <laughs> no one who wears a weave that <laughs> okay bad cannot be skilled in hand-to-hand combat like James Doohan. <laughs> he was missing fingers or something, right? So I think they just wanted to was he really? pump up his stock a little bit. Yeah, I think he was in I think he was in a war and he lost his fingers or something like that. Anyway. A war. The you mean war. mean the war. The war. Wes. Technically the second
1: war, uh, but they still called it the war. <laughs> anyway this is world war one doesn't even get respect when it comes to that everybody says the war and they know what you're talking about you mean world war ii mm-hmm. nobody says the war they don't say the second war you say the great war, all for the world war the first one, right yeah, i think if you add a great true, in front of yeah. it
0: that becomes world war I. Oh, yeah oh, damn it i was gonna hold you up your book it would have been a nice time point to do it do you have a book sitting near you somewhere that you can hold it up do, 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 do. This is all in the service. Yeah, I got, of, a, I got a whole bunch of them on the floor over here. <laughs>
1: this, is, this, is, this is all in the in service a, of the YouTube. In a, nice, but. in a nice tub that I dropped down my front stairs and exploded today. Oh. Uh, here's my book.
0: There it is, everybody. We're a couple weeks into it being there, but we, we were, we we're operating in a time loop where uh, time no longer matters, and so you're going to get your first look at it here on the podcast. There we go. There you go. There you Page go. three.
1: Chapter three. Page three. Got some nice, nice uh, action shot there for you.
0: And I saw it was on Amazon. You guys can buy it on Amazon. It looked like it was sold out on Amazon, though, so I don't know Ooh. when the next batch are going to be there. Excellent. Mm. Nice to hear. And since we're, since
1: we're timely and, and definitely not ahead of the curve, get it for Christmas, which I'm sure was like three weeks ago. No, I think the there might be the time. time. I think there
0: might be time. Ooh, this, okay. might be the, this might okay. be two days before Christmas, but you, you, you got to get out there if <laughs> Actually.
1: If you do want to buy it you uh, and it is sold out on Amazon you can get it from awaveblueworld.com uh, I think that's their website that's the publisher of the book so they sell it directly from their site as well as on Amazon so
0: there you go the great war and the great podcast and I appreciate it can continue so let's go to affliction and for anybody listening who didn't see me hold the book up it's called bloody hell yeah right. <laughs> it does exist it wasn't just a bit for the audio listeners Affliction is a Nick Nolte film that stars Nick Nolte as a deeply troubled small town <laughs> cop who investigates a suspicious hunting death while other events jeopardize his sanity. A very good movie.
1: I, I was going to make the same joke, but I didn't know enough about Affliction to do it on the fly. So I'm glad you looked it up.
0: <laughs> Affliction is the 15th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on February 18th, 2005. One of two in the Klingon Augments virus arc. Four of nine in the Augments arc. One of four in the Section 31 in the 2nd second, second Century arc. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Teleplay oh to boy. Mike Sussman. Story credit goes to Manny Cotto directed by Michael Grossman in University State, November 27th, 2154. In this episode called Affliction, while Enterprise visits Earth for the launch of the Columbia, Phlox is kidnapped and forced to help the Klingons deal with a grave threat towards their species. Part one of two. All right. So. I, have,
1: I have one big question at the front. Hmm. Why does 23rd century San Francisco look like 1950s Italy?
0: 22nd, you mean? That, like when they? Sorry, actually, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Whatever they go, year it is.
1: <laughs> when the two, when when Flocks and Hoshi are walking back from that restaurant, it looks like they're walking through the set of The Bicycle Thief.
0: I thought it looks. Um, I've only done resort trips to Mexico very rarely, but it looked like every restaurant row at a Mexican resort town that you yes. go to it's just it's just a, a line of restaurants that you can eat all you want at their all you can eat buffet mm-hmm. and they get jumped by Rigelians just as you would in this episode um yes I don't when know why I, it looks like when I first went look. to
1: New York when I first went to New York um uh, I had never had Indian food before hmm. And so we went out. Uh, one of my classmates was a native New Yorker, so she knew where to go or and all the places to go. And she brought us to this most amazing section of New York where it was an entire street that was just Indian restaurants that were, like, door to door on, like, two floors of every building, basically, down the entire street. Yep. And each one of them had a guy standing outside – who would basically Harass carnival you. bark you into <laughs> yeah. the, yeah, into the <laughs> restaurant. And it was, kind of, it was kind of intimidating, but it was also kind of funny because like these guys are kind of competing with each other to get your business into their identical, yeah. right next to each other Indian restaurants. And then as soon as you, you'd like walk past, they would just kind of turn to each other and like share a cigarette and talk for a while. So <laughs> I'm, I figured they were all owned by the
0: same people. Indian food is my favorite food. I love Indian food. I think it's it, good. I think I could yeah. eat it every day. Um, it's the right, it's just so satisfying and so tasty. You feel so full after Indian food. It's, it's wonderful. Anyway, you you
1: say that coming off of a serious stomach flu. That's, I know. Well,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm fully healed now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the spiciest curry. (laughs) Give me the spiciest (laughs) korma. Um, that's i I'm a big pussy if that's the best I can do. I like korma though. Anyway, affliction. How was I going to start this? I had a topic. Oh, the positive for this episode Clay, is this this is the most complicated enterprise episode I've ever seen in terms of structure of what's going on? I thought my big takeaway was wow, they have a lot of different plot lines going for a show that tends to sink or swim with one plot line in each episode. Where you're like, this is the plot; it's either good or it's bad, and you kind of get off and you kind of go as the wind blows that way. I thought this was like four or five decently executed storylines that were all piled together. I think it's a good example of the the sum of the parts is not greater than whatever it is. Like the, the sum of the parts is not, it doesn't really, <laughs> The all put together, this doesn't really <laughs> line up to something um, that you think the individual parts would do. It does not exceed what the individual parts Poetry. are. Poetry. Poetry. <laughs> <music>. <laughs> it's a stomach bug. It's this incredible amount of corn i <laughs> It's, um, um, I thought it was complicated and I thought it was uniquely, um, structured for an enterprise episode where I don't think they've ever done this before where there's so much going on with mm. a bunch of different characters.
1: Yeah. It, it felt very modern actually in that way, uh, because there was so much going on and everybody did have something to do. Well, almost everybody Mayweather, did. Mayweather's did something to do, fine pretty sure. much everybody else had something to do, um, and yeah, it it felt kind of modern in that it didn't have that 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 traditional a plot a plot b plot kind of thing. Um, I guess if you really wanted to get technical about it, I guess tech it does because you've got the the flock stuff is kind of the a plot, and then the enterprise stuff is more of a b plot, and everything under that umbrella I would say counts. But you've also got the trip stuff happening on the Columbia, yeah. Section installing a sweet new yeah, insta- installing a sweet new lighting system. Yes, that I hope like. Responds to the bass on their stereo <laughs> and the bridge there. That would be pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, you get the the Malcolm stuff. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. You've got the 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 weird Matrix dream that yep. uh, T'Pol has with Trip that Hoshi also shows up for mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I actually I actually. So this will be an interesting conversation because my takeaway was I really liked this episode, and. I don't know if it's because I think it's really good or if it's because they tricked me a little by giving me so much
0: stuff to to
1: do, <laughs> to, to, to to like chew on.
0: Sure. That you you were distracted by the all the uh the shiny parts and the flashing lights and everything like that. It's understandable. Well, here's my here's my typical negative response here where I also enjoy this episode but um i'm at a point where i start i'm i'm really starting to think about how it's impossible for franchises to avoid this inflection point where they start to start look they, they start to look inward more than outward at things sure. and sure this to me feels like um a very key turning point in star trek where this this felt like the most fan servicey inward gazing episode that Enterprise has done to this point and it feels like the whole franchise will never recover from this afterwards through like Discovery and Picard which have all become mm-hmm. very self-referential and they like like to they like to mix the shows together and they just reference other things that other people have done in the recent episode series of sure. Discovery there's a space station called Jonathan Archer space station or something and it's like okay like we 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 understand what's going on
1: I think that did you see how everybody stares at it, though, with all that wonderment in their eyes? You can't fake that. <laughs> you can't that's fake That's not cynical. That's not a cynical, nostalgic money grab.
0: It's not. I, <laughs> I won't hold it against the that show. That twinkle for is it. respect. That twinkle in their eyes is respect, not dollar signs, Wes. <laughs> but I think why the Klingons have smooth heads in T.O.S., is a bridge too far, is this, kind of. It's just the beginning of your
1: stand-up bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, why do Klingons
0: have smooth heads? Am I right? Everybody's asking the question. Bunch of spoonhead Cardassians clapping in the background. <laughs> I think this is the first time, and I've been feeling it in season four. This is the first time where I'm like, this is not necessary to do. You you don't have to do this. Sure. This, this is, Yeah. I understand the show's canceled. Everyone's like, let's just try to connect as many dots as we want. But I think that on a larger scale outside of Enterprise just getting canceled and the writers trying to be like, let's make all the weird canon connections that we've been thinking about forever. What this more represents is the the franchise doing this thing, which is kind of like a supernova of a star where it starts to get sucked into itself and all that it can pay attention to is its own details that already exist and it can't expand outside of it. I think all big franchises hit a point where they do this for some reason. It's like inescapable. And I don't think Star Trek has ever recovered. I don't think there's been a franchise that has ever recovered from this. I think once you start doing this, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. This to me is maybe the keystone in the arc of Star Trek in that way where... This is the episode where the series now is only obsessed with what has been done to that point and how they can connect those dots to what they're doing now to just show that this is part of a larger tapestry.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> it's um, it's a weird pull for a storyline to do the, the forehead thing. Um Especially since what the first time they show up when they storm the Enterprise, I thought for a second the Enterprise was getting raided by the Geico cavemen, because <laughs> they, they they do have that kind of look. <clears throat> um, well tanned. Yes. Yeah. Did you know one of those cavemen when they made, you remember, you know how they made the show, the cavemen show? Yeah. Did you know one of those cavemen was Nick Kroll? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. In the yeah. ads too? no just the just show so, just the show I, believe, okay. I, I don't think he was in the ads i think he was just in the show okay <laughs> yeah early for, or one of his early jobs <laughs> i think they actually make a joke there's a, a reference to it in the newest season of big mouth i think hmm. um yeah it's a weird poll and like uh, the rest of that story that story in and of itself i found pretty interesting yeah i, I like uh, everything going on in it yeah, I loved the Kling all the Klingon medical stuff I yeah. loved because that's something that's something you've never seen before. I've never seen what Klingon sickbay is like. I've never yeah. seen how medical ethics blend with Klingon honor culture. And I mean, you've got the guy right there being like, I'm I I'm throwing honor out the door if it means I can save more lives, but I'll also kill this guy yeah. because yeah. it will be an honorable death. Uh <clears throat> you know one of the one of those guys is Uncle Phil from uh, um uh, it looked like uh, him. fresh Prince, the general
0: yeah. guy yeah the like the, the, yes, the head yeah. guy who kills him yeah i like the executing the patients who you know flocks thinks he's going to do an autopsy and they're like he's not dead yet and they kill him and it's like well now now he's dead i also like the um when uh they don't have the flocks wants them to contact to that planet or base to get the database about the viruses and he's like i just stole mm-hmm. it it's like that's yeah. like a very. It's a very Klingon <laughs> approach. He's still clearly a yeah. scientist, but he's a Klingon scientist. Yeah.
1: Even even the the uh, the catalyst for everything when they when they kidnap Flocks and he's like, why didn't you just ask for help? And he's like, I can't ask for help. <laughs> Are you kidding me? My our entire culture would collapse if I asked for help. <laughs> um But yeah, I I really liked all that stuff. I mean, I honestly I even liked. The, the using of the augment DNA thing, yeah, it's clever. Because I I thought it, yeah, I thought it was an interesting way to to use that plot point. And I mean it, the Klingons trying to build super soldiers based on technology or, or DNA's whatever that they don't understand is an interesting plot point. You know, and side effects from that they don't count on is really interesting. <clears throat> it's I guess it's it's weird because I feel like on the one hand what the hell, let's let, do the smoothing head thing. We, no one's ever touched on it. Let's just throw it in there as, a, as an explanation as to what happens, one of the side effects from the stuff because it's there yep. and it services our th- story. <clears throat> but on the other hand, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty deep pull to throw in just for the sake of tying up a, a loose end. So I don't know. I guess your mileage will vary on on whether or not that bothers you i honestly don't know where i stand on it because it doesn't i don't think it really bothers me that much like I, i but at the same time i do totally agree with what you're saying where now that they've started doing this for the franchise it does just keep slipping down into all right have we pushed this as far as people are willing to take it do we now have to start Digging, digging, peop, dig, digging things up that we've already put to rest. You know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know they do that to quite a serious degree in the series finale, and then after that, you've got the 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 next thing after Enterprise is the 2009 reboot, right? Which is yeah. all. Hey, remember Star Trek in the 60s? Yeah. And then, but what if different discoveries? Right? Yeah. What if different? Um, and you've got your discoveries and your Picards, which are really leaning into that. As well. Discovery is a weird beast because I would say Picard leans into it more actually than Discovery does, but Discovery leans into it in really like weird ways. Yeah. That but we you know, we've we talked about that for three seasons. We don't need to talk about it anymore.
0: Yeah. Um But those, those I would think yeah, those so, series are Extremely they they do not exist on their own. They are stuck it, like they are not we haven't done Voyager yes. yet, but they're not Voyager. Like Voyager is in a totally different place with totally different aliens, and it's like we don't know anything that's about this area. It's kind, of, you know, it's a little it's brave in a way that the modern series aren't because the Voyager, for instance, just totally separates itself. You have to make up new aliens, you have to make up new races that they're gonna run into out there and everything. Eventually they bring back the Borg or whatever. But mm. Discovery and Picard strongly rely on referencing things that have already come before and I almost wouldn't mind the klingon arc in this one but they also like pile in section 31 into it as well you know it's like yeah. so you're you're getting yes. a lot of stuff that you're like oh boy this yeah. is a lot of references that we're going to Section
1: 31 Section 31 who has not changed their uniform no. in like 200 years no, or whatever. It's <laughs> the <clone> uniform. <laughs> it's effective. Still a slick, <laughs> slick black rubber leather thing that you can, you know, slaughter a hog with. Yeah, it's a, it's a butcher's apron made uniform. out of
0: rubber. That's exactly what it is. I It's it's kind of that. like, I, I can maybe get away with just the Klingon stuff and you kind of go, this is not really necessary, but it's a small plot point and otherwise, but... I feel this yeah. episode is just kind of dripping with self references, and I think it's the combination.
1: Honestly, okay. if it, if it was just the forehead thing, probably fine. Because cause like I said, they kind of use it in an interesting way that services the story that this new story they're telling. But the Section Thirty One thing, honestly, that's that's a bridge too far for me. I think because mm-hmm. um, they've 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 come up before, right? On this show, yeah.
0: No, this is the first time.
1: Oh, they haven't. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you. Okay, that's good. Because
0: I was like, w-
1: Malcolm's part of Section 30? I don't remember that episode. No,
0: no, that's, that's definitely never happened. This is this is a whole club okay. creation.
1: Yep. Then that makes me like it even less. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, Section 31 is such a Deep Space Nine thing that even the fact that they didn't even bother to change the look of it despite its 200 years in the past or however many i don't know how many ministers yep. are supposed to be but it's just like that seems a lot more fan servicey to me than the forehead thing yes um however i that being said i do like the the malcolm stuff in this episode hmm. um it's it's like i find it engaging but it does feel very convoluted and kind of, like, forced into the plot to all of a sudden make him a Section 31 sleeper agent who has to... <laughs> I'm not even sure. Do you? I Can you tell me... I'm sorry, I don't remember why he can't tell... Why they're trying to keep the Klingon thing a secret from Archer?
0: I think he's just under orders to not let Archer know about what it is because M- Malcolm knows about the virus at the end. He knows, like, what is ultimately going on. Okay. So, so Section right. 31 has some sort of... Ulterior motive where they can't let Archer know because Archer won't go play ball with what they want to do, basically. Yeah. Meh. I I don't know about that. See, I mean, but- the, the difference to me is that Section 31 is really interesting because you can see every other series after DS9 is like, I love Section 31. I think I want to yeah, do something with it. Right. And no one can do anything with it. And
1: Well, it's, it's like Section 31 is to to Deep Space Nine what the Borg was to TNG. Yeah. It's like the one really new original idea that everybody loved. So everybody wants to use it, but nobody really knows how to use it. Right. Outside of that show. I, and
0: I think it sticks out here where I don't really understand a purpose for Section 31 in this era of Star Trek because right. I don't know yeah. how Section 31 would control anything when there's one ship flying around. Like how, exactly.
1: Yeah, I... Good. As soon as as soon as that guy showed up, I was, again, much like last episode, when Trip asked for a transfer, I was like, transfer to where? Mm-hmm. This guy shows up, and I'm like, who? Starfleet has like eight people working right. for it. Why do they need a Section 31 at this point? Yeah. You know? I mean, like, if you wanted to lay the groundwork for Section 31, especially coming off of the Zindi conflict, yeah. that would make sense to me like if if there was some sort of uh fledgling version that was a result of a what happened group. with the zindi yeah, and, yeah like that sort of yeah.
0: anti because they've been laying the groundwork with the anti alien sentiments on earth too with the the attack on Fox right, and stuff right. like that yeah and so you you have this especially
1: i mean i feel like they kind of missed a layup here uh in the in the 911 allegory if you've got a section 31 that's operating and kind uh, Sort of like the uh, CIA and stuff involving the Patriot Act post nine eleven, then I think you've got something interesting as to to what you're doing, and and you can see how this is sort of being born out of this this conflict and and these fears that the the, the people of Earth have. Mm-hmm. But Section thirty one in this is just fully formed. They're like they're ready to go to the craftwork show, yeah, and they're bringing Malcolm with them. Yep,
0: yeah, and I <clears throat> I don't think it works in Enterprise. What's interesting is that I do think, like as you were saying, on the other hand, the Klingon augment arc works pretty well for an Enterprise story. It, yeah. it feels yeah, like it it's a yeah. it's a story that both works within Enterprise from what they've done previously because of the nice tie in that they have to the human augment arc and how it's kind of a an interspecies arms race where the Klingons are like, well, we can't fight an army full of these guys, so we need to have these guys on, like, we need to be a part of this as well. I I like that section thirty one does feel ham-fisted and terrible and unnecessary in this. Uh, It's interesting like they just keep trying to shove them into shows that don't need it but to me it's a before we go into like the other storylines I guess do you just want to comment a little bit because I've said my frustrations with it where this inward looking thing. I think it's really a problem. Mm -hmm. I I think like I think it's a response to fan stuff too. I think fans wanted this and demanded it and the original creators of franchises have kind of a strong enough idea where they don't want to do what the fans are saying because they're like, I already have an idea. I'm going to do something. But after a while, you run out of ideas. And then you're like, well, what do the fans think? What, what, sure, what, should, I, sure. what should I give these people? And I feel that's what they're they're getting here because I was just looking at the uh, facts on Memory Alpha. Apparently, there was a big on the online track bulletin boards and stuff. People were constantly harping on the fact that the Klingons don't look right for this era, that they should not be sure this way. And I have to think after a while, you're just like, fuck it. I'll just answer this question for these guys. Right. But right. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't think you can, is it possible for a franchise to escape this circle of being sucked down this drain of like, well, let's just constantly in order to appease people who've already seen this reference things that have already happened. Um, I think it – well,
1: first of all, I think it's interesting because this is, in the grand scheme of things, kind of the first franchise to really fall into that trap, wouldn't you say? Like, this
0: is – I, I think Wars it stands Star Wars stands around the same – yeah, I, I would say Star Wars. Well, but Star
1: Wars – Star Wars was doing new stuff. Yeah. Like – well, except for the third movie. I, I, feel like, I feel like maybe Star Wars ended up doing more of it because they were doing – new stuff that people weren't ready for or didn't appreciate. Sure. Uh not to say that I enjoy the new stuff, but like I, I I I'm not the first person to say this, but say what you want about the quality of the Star Wars prequels. It's George Lucas telling the story George Lucas wants to tell. Yep. It's not how do we get all the Star Wars fans to point at the screen and go, "Oh, I know I know what that yeah. is." Um <clears throat> but yeah, you've got Star it's these Longer running franchises that, uh, at the time anyway, are the fan bases are kind of starving for these little bits of of of, uh, connective tissue. Um, Star Trek is a little tough act because it's been on so
0: consistently for like twenty years Mm -hmm. or something at this point, or fifteen years. I think it's um, just... A, I think it's something that needs... I guess I would say that Star Wars is a part of it because I think it's something that needs in between the brand releases, you have this sort of fan cult of writing that creates a universe that exists outside sure. of what's actually there on the, the screen for you, so... And then there becomes this rub of conflict between, well, this is already sort of canon that we've established because fans have been writing about this for so long that the movies have to respect or the TV shows have to respect it because fans have this now in their head that this is the way. I, I think that's the connection between them because Star Wars has that background and Star Trek has that backing too. Sure, sure. But, you know, I also wonder,
1: it's tough because Star Wars was so egregious when they started doing that, like episode three ends almost uh, as close as you could to the beginning of episode four without rogue one in the middle mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but i wonder if this stands out to us so much now because it's so common like all of the franchises do this stuff now yeah where at the time y- you know you had been pushing everything forward so much that Taking a second to like link a couple things back probably seemed kind of exciting and novel at, the, at in the moment. Sure, but uh, so I guess the problem is you modern, can't escape
0: it. I, I would agree with that too. Where there, this yeah. was probably novel at the time they were doing it, where franchise were starting to semi reboot themselves, and they were like, "Well, it'll be kind of cute to just tie this in and show that there's a connection." But I don't think that the franchise once they start doing it is capable of escaping that pull anymore. I think that they, it becomes like yeah. an acceptable or it becomes a a key part of the DNA of a series to have some kind of connection to previous stuff. And it, all it does is just makes the universe seem small and inconsequential.
1: Yeah. It, I, I think it's, I think it's nice when it's done right, but I do think, unfortunately you can get overwhelmed by it creatively and it just bogs you down. For instance, Dr. Who, when they brought Dr. Who back, was a continuation of the story but they went a very long time before they started like explicitly mentioning stuff that from the original run and they kind of culminated all that stuff with this big 50th anniversary show where they touched on everything like they really touched on stuff and it was great i thought it was a great episode but since then it's gone more and more back to that well and more and more kind of like retconning old things in order to tell new stories and it, you just kind of leave your you know scratching your head going like what wait why are they st- why are we going back to the beginning when the show is always about moving forward and i think with something like star trek that's the problem as well because yep. star trek is by definition a show about moving forward mm-hmm. and so the minute you start rooting your show in the in the in the past. You kind of lock yourself up. Um, And yeah, I I think franchises are kind of doomed to to get there because the ones that become very popular get popular for a a reason, right? And there's a certain uh, amount of iconography that is the stuff everybody loves. And so if you're going to go back and tell new stories in that world, you're going to bring that iconography with you. Like, even for me, Star Trek, I love the Star Trek look of stuff. So, when they change the Delta so it doesn't look like the the badge anymore, it kind of bums me out. Mm. Or when they change the ships so they don't look like, quote-unquote, Star Trek ships, it yeah. kind of bums me out. It makes me kind of less interested. But I think there's a, a line you can walk where you can do that stuff without being a slave to... Uh, uh, to references for the sake of references, just because you've been uh, overwhelmed by the wave.
0: So how, like just briefly, and I don't know
1: if that really answers your question.
0: It but. does. But before we get into the second parts of the plots here, because there's a lot of plots and I don't think we're going to spend a tremendous amount of time on each of them. What do you briefly feel about enterprise's fourth season in that context? Like is enterprise's fourth season a noble attempt a bad attempt, a noble failure is it is this like in and of itself is is what they were doing <laughs> I feel like something that's worthwhile i feel like all three of those
1: choices are bad <laughs> it's like it's like when the when the wwe lets the the fans choose the match and it's like a street fight a no holds barred match or a <laughs> anything goes match it's like all right well this is only one match with different three different names well is this the best um,
0: episode of tv and best season you've ever seen clay or is this yeah. somewhere, somewhere less?
1: <laughs> no you know it's i i'm a little bit bummed out by it because this show kind of managed to avoid doing a lot of that stuff. And now this fourth season really feels like they're going to the mat pretty hard. Um And they're it, it, going to the mat to, to fill in cracks that I don't think anybody really needed filled in. I mean, maybe they did. I mean, if they were complaining yeah, about just, the forehead, just online, online on voices. Sports, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of agree with what you said. It's like at this point, the last season, let's just fucking do it, and so people will be happy. That's the that's
0: the saving grace, kind of like I, it's yeah. that, that does change the the alchemy that comes into this. I this was the, I, I say it just as the last thing before we move into the plots that are not really uh, serial or not really doing what we're complaining about here. But uh, this was the first episode this season where I both felt tired of the references and tired of multi part episodes. Sure, um, yeah. I, I hadn't really felt that before, but when we got to the end of this one, I was just like, I even liked the ending. I think that the ending of like hooking the warp core up so that it can't shut down and then just having to go incredibly fast while Archer's on an elevator looking nervous is kind of a funny way to end the episode. But I, I think I'm a little tired of two and three part episodes in a single season of Star Trek, so many of them, because they don't really... I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say. I, I, I kind of like the um, standalone nature that the episodes allow. And we've had some good ones in this episode, like observer effect and stuff. And when they, when they start to stretch out arcs in a way that they're doing here, I feel like I'm starting to see why this was done for budgetary reasons and not creative reasons as the main driver mm-hmm. of what they're doing. Because after a while, it just feels like they're kind of just telling a story slower, than they normally would and that's right, where it is.
1: Right. <clears throat> In comic books we call that decompressed storytelling yeah. which is something that's been a uh, on the upswing for the past 20 yeah. years or so. Cuz
0: there's a there's um, a profit balance to be made there. Where where you need to yeah. where you're, you're as enterprise is doing you're balancing a budget against what you can actually do and this is the outcome that they've come up with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I it's um the the multi-part episodes are starting to drag for me too a bit um i'm glad this is only a two-parter because i think doing two triples back to back is is it's hard in ice skating it's hard in (laughs) watching star trek enterprise um but yeah i you know it's it's strange because you 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 pulled out the forehead thing specifically as kind of like a bridge too far for you and honestly I mind that less than some of the other stuff they've done. Like, I think I mind that less than their, uh, their uh, run-in with the Ferengi. Sure. Or any of the other things they've done where they have to basically uh, arm and Tam's air in it and be like, let's just never talk about this ever again because it in, in uh, canon – world we haven't discovered this yet or some shit yep. or whatever. I like this better than like the Vulcan one, Arc.
0: People love the Vulcan Arc. I think this is yeah. as this episode is this is a better this is a better thing for Enterprise to do than the Vulcan Arc was. Yeah, I I
1: I uh, totally agree. I think this is much better than the Vulcan pointy thing mm-hmm. and all the stuff surrounding that and what I, I I think because because the difference is and I think this is where your tie-ins and your quote-unquote fan service, if you want to call that, what the distinction is. In this one, it, the explanation of the smooth-headed Klingons is a is in service of this new story that they're telling. In the Vulcan arc, all that stuff, the entire story, is in service of tying up stuff or, or lining things up with previous shows. Yes. In which case... That's not gonna. That's not gonna get it done. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. But in this one, and but they do it again. As I mentioned, they do it both ways in this episode because as much as I like the Vulcan, uh, the uh, smooth headed Klingon stuff, I hate the Section Thirty One stuff for the same reason. Like, there's no reason Section Thirty One needs to be in this. Yeah. um, Other than the fact that you can point at it, and you know, you say no one's ever done it, but we haven't seen that new show yet, and I've got a faith (laughs) that that new show that's definitely gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Even though it was announced three years ago,
0: and <laughs> they were no, <laughs> they were waiting for Michelle Yeoh to get written off of Discovery. She's gone now. She's she's gone.
1: Yeah, and then then a pandemic happened, and I'm sure the fire is still there for everybody. Uh, Ash Tyler's just been waiting by the phone, not taking any other jobs, hoping that show comes through. Um, like that, like I I that stuff is when I don't like it. Is when it's not in. When, when your story is in service of the, the references and not the references in service of your story.
0: Yeah. I would agree. And I think that I like the Klingon arc too. We'll probably have more to talk about it next week when we get to the second part of it. But I agree with you. Like The strength of it, I think, is the, the Klingon scientist is a really novel thing. I, I like that. Like that's a, that's a, the Klingon scientist is more illuminating of Klingon society than anything that happened in the Vulcan three-part arc. It's like oh oh totally it's like, wow 100%. This is just, yeah. the pieces just fell into place the minute that guy starts talking you're like oh my god this this makes complete sense that this would be the kind of guy yeah. who both will willingly kill people and has a Klingon sense of honor but is also like I'm trying to figure out some science guys so I need to I need to do this as well clever I wish I wish they
1: introduced this guy two seasons <laughs> ago <laughs> and he had become a recurring character who
0: just every now and then kidnaps flies <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> 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 It's neat. So let's get to the other parts of this uh, trip mm-hmm. on the Columbia. W- was Trip ever this much of a hard ass? in His time on the Enterprise.
1: I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't mean, know what this is. Seth MacFarlane looks like he's a bit of a slacker. So someone's got to kick that. He's guy
0: a little doughface. I've seen. L- <laughs> I've seen him as a captain. <laughs> I, it's hard. Um, McFarlane's voice is so iconic that it's hard not to read I even know, straight yeah. lines of like, we, I've realigned the warp core as a joke. I, I hear his character say it and it's just like, right, oh, he's trying yeah. to be funny. This is a funny guy. Um, I don't, what'd you think of the Columbia stuff? We, we did not get a scene which definitively proves whether or not one of us was right in the last episode where Archer's talking <laughs> at the end. We get no information about Correct, whether or yes. not that's the case. But what do you think of Columbia?
1: Well, on the other hand, what we do get is a scene that I think you can only read one way, which is the uh, <clears throat> the captain of the Columbia asking Trip why he left the Enterprise, and basically I was waiting for after the explanation of like you know just uh, I think I got to serve with colleagues and not and and not friends. I was hoping she was going to be like, so we're not going to fuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she just puts out the candle in the middle of the table. Yeah, like cuz it was kind of there was a, yeah. there was
1: a little bit of like tension there where she was like pu- seeing what was going on just in case she wanted to, you know, touch butts a little bit.
0: That that captain role is interesting. Um the performance is interesting. She's really playing it as if she's trying to read without any line from script. It really comes across as she's trying to figure out why Trip is here. Why did he come here? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's smart. I think that's the right thing to do because as we talked about last episode, I don't know why trip is there. I think more people on the thing should be like, why the hell are you here? Like what, what's going on with this? Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what else is going on in the Columbia outside of that. I don't think there's anything maybe worth mentioning trip and him or having a connection in the apple of the heaven, the apple desk of the heaven world or something. <laughs> Anything else about Columbia there? Is that pretty much it? Well, I just wish
1: there was the second space starship had been called the USS Downeaster Alexa, mm-hmm. so we could really know that Billy Joel is taking his place <laughs> among the cultural pantheon <laughs> of the entire world. Um, Yeah, it, it was. It, it's interesting. I, I don't think you really get enough of that to really kind of sink your teeth into it, but I, as... I do like it if they're gonna be doing this weird mind meld dream thing with T'Pol, because uh, you do get you you do see him trying to put that stuff out of mind and being dragged back into it and stuff. So I'm kind of interested what they're gonna get, where they're going there and uh, you know if if Hoshi brought a camera with her.
0: He's he's got to be back on the Enterprise by the end of the next episode, though, right? The I col- would assume so. The yeah. Columbia's. I'm just making a random guess. The Columbia has got to be sent after Enterprise, I, w- I would think. Uh, I think it has to serve as a like rescue yeah. ship or something. But I don't see him staying off Enterprise for longer than that. And I don't know if for how little he's going to be off the ship. I don't know if they're really using the time off the ship effectively enough. But we'll see in the second episode if anything changes. Um, you know, you
1: say he hasn't been that much of a hard ass before. He didn't seem like he was being that much of a hard ass. Mm-hmm. And he still had four people ask for transfers. He's <laughs> <It's laughs> Like, what is he
0: doing? Down well, that, that <laughs> He's been there for two days. I guess that's my that's my point. You're like either these guys are incredibly soft, but it, it's it was yeah. it struck me as funny because the Enterprise is not this hard-nosed military command ship. Like Archer's high five and right. people is like, Hey, you guys are having a good time out here in space and Trip just comes off and he's like He's like, you lolly gagging motherfuckers. Like, what a kind of warp engine is this? And they're just taking it back and they, they all chicken out and want to leave and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't know what it was, whether or not that was, um, whether or not it'll be interesting or not by the time that it wraps up. What's the last plot line? Is there a last plot line or if we just give them short shrift to something? Uh, I think
1: that was it, right? Guess- the flocks the virus thing. Yeah. Malcolm the and 21
0: Columbia stuff or section 31, the smooth headed Klingons make an appearance. Yep. Do you want to just talk Malcolm about the ending? I guess quickly where the, the Klingons sure. board and they put this virus on the ship that makes the ship go fast. I liked, as I said before, I liked it. I thought that that was an effective ending to an, an episode. Um, Hopefully someone asks Archer a pop quiz in the next episode. Yeah, I know. Just he can't take his can't take his foot off the accelerator and get a find a highway where he can just drive around forever. Maybe there's not much else to say about that, really. Um I thought it was an odd place to
1: end the episode. Oh really? Um Yeah, it just it was it, i I don't think it was bad or anything. It just it just was very abrupt. Um and watching watching Mayweather like Turn the juice up on the on the uh, uh, the warp drive. Isn't exactly long camera spin yep. around onto Riker's face saying fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think it, I think it worked okay.
0: Yeah, I I, I I guess it worked for me because I felt there was a palpable tension. Of just the ship going too fast, and like, how do you, what do you do when the ship just can't slow down? Kind of, I I thought that it was effective enough at making me feel like there was some kind of danger going there. It was better than the usual chase sequence ending that Enterprise will tend to do. Um, so that's it. Is there any other? Unless you thought that you wanted to have like do something else about one of those subplots? I guess that's kind of it. I mean, there's not much to say about Section Thirty-One. We talked about the Klingons, we talked about Trip and to Paul and all that stuff. Do you have anything else, or is that it? Well. Regarding
1: the trip into Paul stuff, do you think this is going to be the thing that gets them back together? Is this mind meld thing, or what do you? Th- what are your feelings about this uh, shared dream space they seem to have?
0: Sure. And first point before we get there, really quick. Not crazy that Archer teaches to Paul how to mind meld.
1: Yeah, I. That, I don't. I don't that think that. another. <laughs> That was another instance where this felt very modern because that feels like something Michael... No, Michael Burnham literally does that last season when when they go to the trill pool and she's mm-hmm. like, don't worry, I can do this better than the trills can. <laughs> Just watch
0: me do it. Just let me float. That's true. And I mean, he it it
1: makes sense in he, context. He, Archer's going to mansplain mind-melding to an it's, actual fucking... Vulcan. It's
0: really tough because he did they have Surak in him. I think what's weird about it is that it's so throwaway. Like, you don't see him teach her anything. He just goes, I'll teach you how to do it. And then it cuts to her yeah. doing it with Hoshi. So it, it's strange.
1: I, he essentially says to Paul, relax a little. Just relax. Just take take it, 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 it easy. <laughs> Why
0: don't you smile a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what did you ask me about Tripp and Twelve? Is so this is going to be the way that they get back together?
1: Yeah, what, what are you, what are you uh, seeing coming from this shared dream space
0: thing? I, I just don't think it's – well, it was interesting to me because it doesn't really highlight anything that they don't know about each other. So there's not this mm-hmm. – it wasn't a mind meld where Tapal realized the depths of Tripp's feelings for her or there was some sort of opening into his mind that she was previously unaware of. Both of those characters know exactly what's going on in relationship to each other. Sure. You know, so I don't know what's holding them apart at this point. It's as far as I can tell, it was to Paul's re interesting herself in the Kashara. That's the only thing Mm -hmm. that's preventing them from being together. Right. Is there anything else outside of that in professional standards, Uh, I guess, in the workplace?
1: Yeah, I guess that's about it.
0: Is that good enough to really over overcome and cause them to be together i just don't know what the scene where they decide to be together is going to look like
1: yeah yeah i almost kind of feel like the decision to be together has to be as uh, paperworky as the the decision to not be together they just kind of shake hands okay so (laughs) i guess we're going to do this you and i are officially together and i look forward to uh working with you
0: or it's just like I just picture it's the ending scene of some episode where To brings in like a cardboard box and he's like, you can put it over there, and then the camera just cuts to black. You know, it's like the, they moved in together, but it's extremely low energy.
1: They they do that thing. They do the thing where they uh, they both agree to be together, and then they sit down and both stare forward, mm-hmm. and then sound of silence starts <laughs> playing as the bus starts pulling away. Um, yeah. How? What? What do you think the explanation is for as to why th- this space exists? Have, have, did they? I, I'm showing my ignorance, obviously, in my bad memory. Did they have some sort of intense mind meld? I don't think they've mind The two of it's, them. No, I think it's just. Well, I mean, who knows what's going on? But
0: there's a there's a lot going on. You know, I I think yeah. it's just supposed to represent the strength of their emotional bond. It's it's that that they they sure. just have something that they can see each other, and it's so powerful that Hoshi will get sucked into it, and then. Hoshi starts getting excited too about what's what's going on in this dream space.
1: <laughs> the two of you were there and honestly, <laughs> I was kind of into it. No, I'll be honest, when when that when that dream thing happened, I got like intense flashbacks to when I was a kid reading the X-Men comics because mm. I thought like the most romantic fucking thing in the world was how Scott Summers and Jean Grey had a psychic rapport, so they were always connected to each other's brains. Sure. And that was, like, that was like the big connecting thing for those two. Um, and, it, and it was always the thing. It's like, oh, these characters, blah, 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 blah. But Gene and Scott, they have a psychic rapport. They're like soulmates or right. whatever. And then when that broke, it was a big yep. deal. Um, so that was the first thing I thought of when I saw this.
0: Doesn't really have that power here, unfortunately, I don't think. <clears throat> <clears throat> How no. do you think they get together? I mean, it, what, what it, I guess mm-hmm. semi-seriously, like what would they say? To each other. Just this has been the way it needs to be. I'm glad to be here. It's got to be. Yeah, I don't
1: know. It's, it's, uh, do you, do they even say anything or do they just like start making out? Like, what can you possibly say Mm. other than, you
0: know, I guess let's just, let's let's just just do do it. Let's just just do this thing. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I guess we'll say Prepare, prepare your mouth for tongue, doctor. We're
0: kind of assuming that they do
1: get together, I guess. That's true. They might not. They might actually just never get together. Which, honestly, wow, just I'd be like kind a season, <laughs> just
0: that. a season and a half of Blue Balls from the show. That is that is <laughs> remarkable. We'll see. We'll see what they say. Anyway, I guess that's it. I don't have anything else to say about this. Um, you've expressed your disappointment in Section Thirty-One. I would agree with that. I talked about how uh, it's a weird move for a franchise to do. We'll see if the sh- we'll see if a franchise can recover from this. But that, that's further down the line. I guess that's it. We'll wrap it up. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening today to the show. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Fell. It's the best way to support us. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, get extra podcasts. There's like 100 plus of them now. you can listen to, a bunch of sci-fi topics, horror topics, Clay and Amanda run through all the Friday the 13th films for the past year. They're going to be doing something else coming up next year. We have polls that you can vote on to decide what we cover. You get access to the special captain room on the Discord. (laughs) Join our Discord as well if you're interested in communicating and having Star Trek and other et cetera related conversations. You can go to the Discord. I guess that's it. Thank you very much, patrons. And as always, our captain tier get a special shout out. I say special thanks go to Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Cherlock, Cal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Pouch, Brendan Howells, Matt Cutler, Michael Pond, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, all 13 Hero, Darth Mosk, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell O., Stefan Minton, HH28, Jack Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jig123, Point XG, Patrick Seba, Nick the Rat, Dave Davies, Garple John Zorn, Captain Brazen, Eric Sancho, Jake's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Sysler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardeur, Retail, Disbrode, Tom Hickey, Star, Jose Hunters, ZWNF remixes, Captain and James McClendon, Beal, Jonas, Tommy Tango. Second page says, Tuvix Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Chase Jackson. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. Now we'll go to Patreon thoughts. There's only four of them, and we're, we have such a backlog that saying people should write more comments on the Patreon will probably not happen until the finale has been recorded. So we'll see what we get. Kyle Barrett says, Affliction. I feel this episode... I feel this is the episode that takes Season 4's penchant for canon-connecting fan service too far because basing a two-parter around why TOS Klingons look different is unnecessary. I don't need an in-universe explanation for every makeup change, but while the core story is flawed, I enjoy most of what's orbiting it. Malcolm, as well as being closeted emotionally, now has a secret he feels he can't tell anyone, which only adds to the gay theory. But I'm glad the writers are doing something with the character and seeing this level of conflict between crew members, however out of the blue, is refreshing. Trip runs his crew like a video game developer trying to made a release date and it must have been hard for Seth MacFarlane filming his scenes in proper Star Trek with a constant raging erection. (laughs) Hoshi is the MVP of the episode looking Peng in that turtleneck leather jacket combo maybe the best regular clothes in Star Trek three out of five. I don't know if Peng is some sort of British euphemism or if he's bringing up that tennis player in China who's been disappeared but thank you Kyle for your comment. (laughs) Um I don't know. I'm not up on that news, but
1: I find that funny. Okay.
0: <laughs> it, is a, it is a tragedy. The Chinese Communist Party is a terrible, terrible organization. Let's go to the next comment. Matt Ross says, Affliction, continuing the apology tour for the missteps of certain writers and producers, we get the smooth head smooth forehead explanation story which neatly fits into the mold of wrapping up questions of every minutiae of Star Trek something that Enterprise should have originally explored and what happens when a fan whom knows the show and lore has a clue again that damn opening theme song after some body horror terrible a proto section 31 group emerges arguably a weak point on this arc I also wonder if there was supposed to be something more when Starfleet security's Cut investigator shows up but no Tripp's transfer was again so contrived it hurt I just don't understand the logic either like Archer's sudden mind meld hints and the Jedi connection with T'Pol. I also don't understand the extra light bars on the Columbia's bridge, less seen in E-squared. Other than being annoying, are they there to tell dumb viewers that this is a different ship? Three bumpy heads out of five. Well, you know, after
1: the last three-parter and that Daft Punk Mm -hmm. pilot that that ship had, this time we've got stage lighting on the bridge of the Columbia. I think someone in the... Art department is just really into mid two thousands techno, yeah. and has been going to see like Danger Mouse com- concerts or something, and just getting really. Is he around yet? <laughs> I time? think he might, he might be.
0: be maybe, maybe he's just on the French uh, <laughs> underground scene or something. At that point, it, would you? I will. Uh, go ahead. Would is the Columbia Bridge designed too much for a constant bridge? Like if the Enterprise Bridge looked like that, is it too much? Uh,
1: probably. I
0: mean, the only real
1: difference is those lights,
0: right? There's the lights in the back and there's like poles and stuff that are in the foreground. There's like computer panels on poles that are next to the... Oh, I don't don't remember The consoles. Um, The the lights seem like they would
1: probably be a lot. I think you need to dim them down a bit in in order for them not to just be a big focus. I kind
0: of liked them. I think I like the design of the Columbia Bridge. I don't don't mind Mm -hmm. it. And in a Canon sense, I do like that they're making a lot of progress between each ship of the same type yeah you know i think that makes yeah. sense yeah i like
1: that too i uh, also i think i've mentioned this on a previous show but um i'm really reaping what i sowed or i guess it's a uh uh, uh karma thing with all my hate and distasteful comments i've made about the theme song for the show mm. because Amazon does not let me
0: skip the song. No, it, it gives me a 10-second skip. It's like you're going to enjoy it. It's a 10-second skip.
1: <laughs> yeah. It gives you, first of all, first, the skip button takes a couple seconds to show mm-hmm. up. Like, you know, <laughs> when you're watching TV and, like, someone just kind of picks the remote up but doesn't change the channel yep. just in case people want to say don't change the channel. Yep. And then when a, when a button shows up, you click the button. It jumps you forward 10 seconds into, like, the bridge of the song. <laughs> It's like you're sit it's like you're sitting with someone and like, no, 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 no. Wait till you get to the good. I'll just let's just get to just the good part d- of the song. Don't, don't, then
0: you'll be don't in. Don't turn it off. Yeah. You gotta you gotta hear this part. I know it's it's a strange thing. That's the um I find the viewing experience much worse on Amazon for this. It was it was better on Netflix. Amazon Prime videos is yeah. like um, watching a season. I hardly ever watch seasons on it. It's just not as good. Royo says I vaguely remember Enterprise doing a plotline about how the Klingons looked the way they did in TOS and felt somewhat indifferent to it about it back in the day. Rewatching the episode in the middle of a pandemic has somehow made the episode more topical with the new panic over the Omicron variant. Seeing a Klingon scientist was definitely interesting. It reminded me of the Krogan warlord Dr. Okir from Mass Effect 2. They had a certain charisma to them that made you hang on to their words. It was also fascinating to see the total pressure they were under with millions of lives at stake, and it makes me wonder just what is going on within the medical labs of the world as COVID struck. As harsh and cruel as the Klingons are, they have a point when dealing with their pandemic the way that they do... Uh when dealing with their pandemic the way they do, so having flocks be willing to let millions die again due to a disagreement of ethics didn't exactly give him the moral high ground. Again, three out of five.
1: Thank you. Yeah, there's gotta be a conspiracy theory out there somewhere that the uh the the, the Chinese started COVID because they were trying to develop super soldiers mm-hmm. based off of augmented DNA. <laughs> augmented bad DNA. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman they were trying D&D to create a, <laughs> they were trying to create an army of half human half bat hybrid super soldiers it's just <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it um it's interesting i I guess I didn't explicitly think covid the only time it made me think covid was when they when they the Klingons announced that they were trying to make this as a serum but then it became, became aerosolized basically and now it's spread through the air and they oh, can't sure. stop it from happening that was the only that was yeah. the only connection it didn't it did it strike you as kind of a covid thing or did you think about covid it's um, hard not to yeah
1: but. yeah i did only because it's it's a virus that they're rushing to find a cure yeah. for and they don't know where it came from blah blah blah, blah. so yeah just like. Uh, not not so much, other than just the tangential similarities. Yeah,
0: John Zon- I do
1: have one other thing to say about streaming. This sure. Is a just completely non sequitur. How is it that we? How long have we been streaming as a world culture? I guess like it's like ten years, right? Yeah, probably. How is it that there are still poorly functioning streaming apps?
0: Like I feel In like sense of layout. This technology
1: layout just functionality um I feel like they figured they they cracked the nut on this one and then for some reason it's like it's like every every company has to build their thing from the ground up or something yeah. so they don't have i don't know it's just it's like it's crazy to me that hBO max or whatever works way worse than netflix and what's what's your favorite streaming
0: service in terms of functionality and (laughs) ease of use i mean netflix is probably still the smoothest yeah i mean it 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 does what it's supposed to do every time um i I just like netflix's layout too of the first line is things i've been watching so i can go back into it the second is my list and then it gives me algorithmically generated choices after that about things that i might want to watch
1: yeah it seems like it's kind of simple yeah ultimately but it's like every every new one that pops up doesn't really work or uh you know like on on hbo max the thing that kills me is like for whatever reason the rewind doesn't work yeah. half the time and it's just it drives me nuts uh, i actually don't mind disney plus i think disney plus Disney is well. The, well i think and a uh, shutter shutter's got a good one too well
0: on the, yeah those two are the opposite of what amazon's problem is is that amazon's prime video is reflective of what amazon.com looks like. If you if you yes. go to amazon.com, it is a mess of stuff. They just have yes. so much yes. that it's like if it's actually kind of remarkable that Amazon is as searchable and findable as it is when there's so much cobbled mm-hmm. together. It's like you you get stuff you don't even mm-hmm. realize it's in there. Um if you go to like your account settings in Amazon, it's just endless pages of things that you can do to your account. Where Shutter and Disney Plus are pretty limited in their content, it's easier to curate yeah. what you're yeah. supposed to look at and what they want you to look at and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Amazon
1: is... Uh, um, the recommended stuff tends to be pretty good, mm. uh, like the stuff that they put like right at the bottom of whatever you're watching, but God help you if you search for anything yep. on Amazon Prime. Yep. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's just a, a mess. I
0: had a weird thing, too, for the, an upcoming... Um, an upcoming uh b- 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 patreon special i have to buy the movie and when i searched for it we always run into this where you sometimes can't find the movie it's like the, the mm-hmm. link is wrong or something i found an ultra hd version for seven dollars right but the mm-hmm. hd version was 12 dollars. but i was sitting there <laughs> going can i watch the ultra hd will it downscale it to 1080 mm-hmm. if i can't watch it this way, But I, I didn't want to spend yeah. the money and waste it and be like, oh, I can't actually watch this thing, so I'll just get the other one. But it, it's that kind of thing where Amazon, there's so many options that you're just like, I don't even know if this is the right movie or the right selection that I'm supposed to be making. But anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think that they do this anymore. Maybe they still do, but I haven't noticed it in a while. But Amazon, there's a few times that drove me like nuts. When we first moved into our place, our internet wasn't that great. And so anytime we would rent a movie from Amazon – At the at this time, it would give you. You could rent it SD or HD, Mm -hmm. and SD was obviously cheaper. But you know, I got an HD TV, I got an HD, I got internet or whatever. You want to watch it in HD, so you you rent the HD one, and then it gives you a thing that says, "You can rent this, but if uh, if your internet can't support it, we're just going to stream it SD." And it's like, okay, so I'm paying eight dollars for the HD stream, but you're just going to give me the shitty one anyway. Mm -hmm.
0: What do we what, what do with your stream? Like, <laughs> stream $2 back into your wallet <laughs> That's what, as well. Yeah, I actually this. did complain yeah. once. I did complain once and I did get my money back. Yeah. So. Grapple <laughs> John Zorn says with the final comment, Affliction. Clay might say this is a long way to go for a ham sandwich. I say, wow, Enterprise, you came a long way to bring me this oddly delicious ham sandwich I didn't ask for. I kind of love the fact that this, enterprise, this episode takes a campy-ass swing at what has to be the stupidest canon complaints in the history of canon complaints. I also flat out prefer the Bee Gees-inspired Klingon design to any of the others, even if it's a little sad to see the Makos get their asses handed to them by the Gibb brothers. Four out of five. Thank you, Grapple John Zorn.
1: I actually would not say that this is a long way to go for a ham sandwich because I think the ham sandwich actually makes sense mm-hmm. here. It's the appropriate um, amount of to distance appro- to go. the yeah. appropriate amount, yes. <laughs> from, the, from the island in the kitchen...
0: To the counter in the kitchen. Perfect. It makes you happy. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. If this gets out and people are there, leave some patron thoughts if you're so interested. All right. So we're done. The patrons gave it all uh, th- three, three three out of fives and a four out of five. Clay, what are you going to give this one? Affliction, which we mm. had a good discussion, I think, about. I think this is an interesting episode, yeah. if not a great episode of TV or even a terrible episode of TV. But what are you going to give it? Well, I'm gonna deduct
1: a point because no one in the in the episode was actually wearing affliction t shirts, mm-hmm. which I think would have really been a new down. and exciting direction to go <laughs> for Star Trek outfits. <laughs> um You know, I think I'm actually gonna give it a low four. Oh well. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because and again, this might just be them fooling me, but I think one of the things for me that made it so kind of almost fresh feeling is that everybody had something to do. It wasn't more or less. Yeah. Everybody had something to do more or less and it wasn't just the same three people doing stuff. They were mixing it up. They kind of kept things moving. Had an energy. It gave you some it. different yep. st- Yeah, yeah, you had some new stuff, you had some some stuff they pulled out of thin air. Uh it was just there was a lot of stuff going on and it ha- it was it was the kind of more um modern kind of show that this hasn't been up to this point um yeah yeah that that being said not perfect obviously but i do think if i would say this is one one would be one to watch i would say
0: okay yeah i um that's tough i i I think I'll give it a three. I'll just settle in the middle and not to be too cute about it but i do I do like this one like I've given in season four mm-hmm. a lot of threes, and I think that they are some of them are more interesting than others for a variety of reasons. I think this is one of the more interesting ones um It does sort of make me nervous about what the state of season four will be going forward, and like it it really just highlights where the franchise goes after the series ends to me, which is kind of a negative on it. But it's a good it's a good interesting mix of good and bad callbacks. Like section thirty one and the Klingon stuff. It's like it's this perfect little example of like how these things can go well and how these things can go poorly. I did love the energy of it. As you were saying, they were cutting between, before I got tired of a scene, they were cutting to a new scene because they had something else going on mm-hmm. that they needed to see. I didn't get tired and feel like it was dragging down. It was all good. I think it's a competent episode of Enterprise for this season. So I'll give yeah. it a three and I think it's I think it's good. I enjoyed it. That's cool. it. Thank you very much. Patrons, patreon.com slash the file. If you want to leave a couple dollars a month for us, it feels good for you. It feels good for us. It's much appreciated. It's the best way to support the show. So the next one is divergence, I believe is the next episode, which will wrap up this arc and then we'll move on to the last standalone episode, which I think is called bound. Um, so Clay, do you have bound, anything you want to say before we go?
1: Bound starring Gina Gershon and
0: I don't get the don't reference. Name. Is that is oh, it's? <laughs> the, it's Jennifer no reflection. Who it is? Yeah,
1: no. Bound, Bound, <laughs> Bound is the. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're witches, but it's like a. It's a sort of a kinky BDSM kind of movie. Oh, nice with uh, Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon, and it's the first movie the Wachowskis directed, I think. <laughs> sure, or the movie, the movie directly before the Matrix, anyway. Yeah. Uh, which I've actually never seen, but for some reason has stuck in my mind.
0: I just think of local age. For no, re-
1: for no particular reasons.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> you, just, you just don't get it. You keep it copacetic. You're bound, bound to the floor. Anyway. Oh, I, I was going to cut you off. Did you have anything you want to say before we're done? Or are we done?
1: Uh, Yeah, check out. Uh, we've got, as Wes said, we've got our last entry into the Friday the 13th series on Patreon this month. We'll be covering the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. And then by the end of the month, I will have a uh, patron poll up with some options as to what we should cover, uh, what Amanda and I should cover for uh, the next year's Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon uh, stuff. Yep. So if you have any suggestions or things you'd like to maybe see, please put them on our Discord where I can see them and maybe the Rotten Horror Picture Show section. Mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and the regular show goes on as it as it has been badass probably won't be back until after the new year but uh yeah thanks for listening
0: thank you very much guys thanks very much for listening thank you for supporting the show patreon.com slash the if you want to support the show and that's it we'll be back with divergence and we only have a handful of enterprise episodes left after this clay it's i'm staring at the yeah. finish line and it's getting very close to being another series in the can for us so We'll get, uh, we'll see you next week with Divergence. Until then, have a good one.